Hi, I wanted to give you an update and thought today would be the perfect time to publish this next episode with Davis Cutter. Just one day after he took third place at the San Diego 100. Yep, that's a 100-mile off-road running race, run non-stop. And according to the photo of his watch sent to me by his dad, he ran the course in 20 hours, 11 minutes, and 19 seconds. That sounds pretty darn fast. He was supported by his parents, Steve and Nancy, along the route, meeting at special rest stops, sponging him down, providing food and water, and refilling the ice vest that he wears to keep his core body temperature down over these long runs. Davis finished at about 3 a.m. with his headlamp lighting the way. And for more photos and his race recap, you can go to daviscutter.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode that I recorded with Davis about a month ago. Hi, and thanks for joining Interesting People for 20, where in each episode we'll be speaking with people who have stories that are inspirational, motivational, and often truly amazing. This 20-minute quick podcast is meant to be something you can listen to at lunch, on a break, or out for a short walk. We'll hear about achievements, setbacks, and the challenges you might not normally see. Just about everyone has an interesting story if you ask. I'm Eric Cohen, your host. I'm an inventor, technologist, and sometimes cyclist, but most importantly, I love a good story, and I really hope you find my guests as interesting as I do. For many of us, running a marathon is a dream. We might train for just one or two 26.2-mile marathons in our lifetime. In today's podcast, I speak with Davis Cutter, the Boston native who in 2021 ran not one or two marathons, but 52. Yes, that's one every single week. In addition to his daily training runs of six to eight miles and his marathon length runs, he also ran a number of longer runs, some up to 50 or 100 miles. And yes, those longer runs, that's straight through and not over the course of, of days or a week. According to Strava, the fitness app, the average running distance for its 27 million users is about four miles per day. If you look at Davis's statistics on Strava, he averaged over 55 miles per week for every week of the year. Let's hear more from Davis about how he managed to keep on pace with the challenge that he created for himself. Hey, Davis, thanks for joining me. Hey, Eric, happy to be here. So last year, you ran 52 full marathons, attempted three fastest known time or FKT records. You know, most people aspire to do just one or two marathons in their life, but you ran one per week, um, plus your training runs, plus the FKTs. Do I really have these numbers right, Davis? Yes, yes, you do. Last year, I think... For me and for many others, it was a year of discovery of new things and new passions and interesting projects. So one of my projects was running a marathon every week. As a parent, I have to ask, I usually like to take credit for all the amazing things that my kids do well. Any credit to your dad, who's a pretty good athlete himself? He is, he is a really good athlete, and I, we've been going back and forth on who has the fastest marathon time, but um, he, I credit him a lot. He's a really disciplined person and instilled a lot of strong values 
in both athletics, in my personal life, in business. Uh, so certainly someone I admire and look up to. So let's first talk about your decision to run 52 marathons in 52 weeks. How did this idea come about? And did you set any uh, rules or goals to keep you motivated? How did this tell us the history of this this feat? Yeah, for sure. So I live over in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, which also happens to be the flattest country in the world. So I, I have that going for me. Uh, maybe a little easier than if I was living in in Colorado or somewhere in the mountains. But um, we went into our second lockdown uh, in in March of 2021. And uh, yeah, at the time I went out on a beautiful Saturday morning, I ran 26.2 miles and I said, hey, that was a lot of fun. Maybe I'll do this again next week. So I did it again. And one of the interesting things about Amsterdam was during the lockdown, there were no tourists in the city. So it was a beautiful time to explore all the nooks and crannies of the city and where I live. And there's actually a project that a guy named Ricky Gates did. He runs for Solomon called Every Single Street. Uh, and he ran every single street of San Francisco where he lives. So I was inspired by that. So I ran every single street in Amsterdam. So I ran around with a paper map and a highlighter. And I covered every single street of the inner uh, canal ring here. And that occupied, I think, the next maybe 15 to 20 marathons. So that was a good kind of ch first chapter of the project. So when you were running all these streets in Amsterdam, that was part of your marathon running. That wasn't just your training runs. You actually, did, would you go out far and come back and run a few streets or did you just stay local? How did that work? Yeah, Eric, you know. I always say it would be a lot easier if I lived in maybe New York or Chicago, where it's it's a real planned city. Uh, here in Amsterdam, it's it's a lot of, as I said, nooks and crannies. So I would literally have to plan out the 26-mile route uh, before I left. But obviously, I would get lost in the middle. So I, I had a paper map and a highlighter of where I had ran and where I hadn't. And uh, yeah, it was part of the fun, part of the adventure. I definitely double backed on many streets, so it, it logs some extra miles uh, in my legs. So let's talk about running a 26.2-mile um, marathon every week. Were there any um, guidelines that you set for yourself? Like, I need to run one a week, and if I skip, or I need to make sure they're at this pace, was there, was there anything that you set up maybe just to keep you motivated to keep going? Yeah. So it's part of the fun of creating your own project. And I, I definitely encourage other people to do this because it's it's your own rules, right? Uh, I know some other people that maybe you go sign up for a legitimate planned marathon. I didn't do that. It was just on my own terms. I could wake up and start whenever I wanted to. I could end wherever I wanted to. Uh, but I, I tried to do every week. I did say in the beginning of the year, if I missed a week, I could make it up as long as it was 52 by the end of the year. But, but I was aiming for one a week. I ended up getting sick, uh, not, not COVID, but I got ill and I missed two weeks. So I ended up making that up later. And in addition, the, the other rule I made up was if I did, let's say, 50 miles in a single run, that would only count as one. Or 100 miles in a single run, that would still only count as one. So you couldn't stack up credit in a single run. So you know what people are going to be thinking when they hear this, Davis, right? Why? 
that 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 a hundred mile run only counts as one marathon. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, it's the fun of your own rules, right? It's the fun of your own rules. So, um, were there any times where where it came the weekend and it was time for your run, and you thought, you know what, I just don't feel like running today. Did did that ever happen? And yeah, so I th- I think the hardest ones were exactly that. Maybe after a long week of work or travel, and you're trying to squeeze it in at the end of the day. Towards the end, I did a week where I did three marathons in three different countries. So it was Belgium, the Netherlands, and France. So it was a lot of driving, a lot of travel, but certainly a lot of fun sights. I think that was the most challenging, just sitting in a car for 10 hours, then going to run a marathon is is not the easiest. And and you did those three runs in three different countries because you happened to be there or you wanted to be there for these for these runs? Just because I happened to be there. Got it. When you're doing these marathons, uh, one a week, what happens to your body? Do you start to feel like 26 miles is nothing or is it, are they always hard? It's always hard to an extent. Certainly I never, you get to mile 20, it's never easy, but your body does adapt incredibly well. Uh, People might be familiar with James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy. He's an Ironman athlete who just did a hundred Ironmans in a hundred days. So maybe you can have him on, on your podcast, but the body is incredible, and I actually did feel stronger as the year went on, as I, as I got uh, more and more fit. That's like people, uh, cyclists who, professional cyclists who trained for the Tour de France. Once they're in the Tour de France, they actually feel stronger towards the end. And you felt like that in your running. Maybe the maybe the last few were hard, but you felt like yes. they were maybe getting a little easier as you progressed? Recovery certainly got easier. So I remember saying to my, my fiance, Lucy, towards the end, it was incredible that I didn't feel any soreness whatsoever after a marathon um, towards towards the end. So it, yeah. it's just a sign that the body was recovering so quickly. Lucy, who I've met, it was, uh, it was so fun to meet her recently. D- did she help you in any of these marathons or you just say, Lucy, I'm going out for a run and she knows what you're doing and you just go. Yeah. You know, it, it, she helped in, in a lot of ways, uh, emotionally, you know, supporting me for sure. She also did tag along quite a few times on bike. So I was able to kind of have her crew me and we, we did some, some fun runs together as she was biking alongside me. Let's talk a little bit about sort of your, your last few long runs and then your last uh, marathon that you ran. How did it feel when you finally did 52 and 52 weeks? Did you just go home and, and just, was it just another day or did you celebrate? Was it a big deal? Or were you like, okay, check. Yeah. So as, as the project was coming to an end, I was thinking about different ways I could extend it. So I was actually toying with the idea of one fifty miler a month for the next 12 months um, or even uh, trying to set uh, my mile PR for the next 12 months, just different fun things that I could play around with. Ultimately, I, I didn't continue that because I wanted to get, as, as we're hopefully kind of coming out of this pandemic, I wanted to get back into racing and I started training for the San Diego 100. So that's the next race on my on my list. Um, but afterwards, you know, it's it's turning a new page as with any project just looking looking for the next one. What can I learn from this previous project and apply it moving forward? 
When you hear people training all year for the Boston Marathon or the London Marathon or Chicago, what do you think? Does does that trigger anything in your head? Do you think, oh gosh, one marathon, I'm doing that this weekend? Well, it's it's all a spectrum, right? And I, I think that no matter who you are, you can set challenging goals for yourself and work towards their those goals. So Eric, I know you're a big cyclist. You know, when someone says they ran, they they cycled a hundred miles, you know, that's long for some people, it's not long for others. And and it's just a spectrum. Certainly there are many many runners in the world who are much faster than I am that put more mileage in their legs than I do, um, dedicate more time to it. So I, I just try and figure out what works for me. Yeah. I know that since COVID, you saw a lot of people outside running, walking, cycling, and you just have to be happy and thankful that there are so many people out there uh, doing something active, right? It doesn't matter whether they're training for their first marathon or they're walking down the block, right? You sort of get excited that people are outside moving, right? Absolutely. I, I Just a quick story of kind of how I fell into running. I don't know if you've heard this before, but my first marathon I ran was actually in the Himalayas in Northern India. And it's the highest, uh, world's highest altitude marathon. Ladakh Marathon, it's called. There's 400 runners. There was 200 Indians and then about 200 foreigners like myself that somehow ended up in this small village in the Himalayas. And I remember distinctly being so focused on my watch and my pacing and my gear and my nice shoes. And I was so in, you know, nervous at the start line. And then at about mile five, I am looking next to me and there's these kids in probably grade school not wearing any shoes they're they're throwing bananas at each other giggling you know they're running this marathon because there's a huge event in the village that day and they were having such a good time and it was in that moment that i realized that why am i taking this so seriously you know i'm in a beautiful place i'm surrounded by amazing people and and just enjoy it and i finished that marathon thinking hmm, maybe i could do this again that was really fun So that's kind of what got me into running longer distances. It's amazing the transformation that can happen when you decide to exercise for fun, as opposed to uh, just being so intense and focused on it that I have found for me that when I um, race, uh, cycling, when I race, the more nervous you get, the more intense focused you get, and you're worried about the gear and the times. I actually do worse. If you just go out for fun and relax and don't worry about all those things, yes. I do better. And it sounds like you're you're the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, ultra marathons and FKTs. I know that maybe the last year or two, some of the ultra marathons were canceled. You've tried uh, three FKTs. Can you just talk about how you got into FKTs? What are they? How are they documented? Who does them? Is it a group? Like, what is it? Yeah, absolutely. So for those unfamiliar, FKT stands for Fastest Known Time. You can go on fastestknowntime.com to check it out. And it's it's been around, the concept has been around for a while, uh, created by this guy, Buzz, who lives out in Boulder, an ultra ultra running legend himself. And um, it started out with some big routes, such as the Appalachian Trail, the AT, or the PCT, Pacific Crest Trail, maybe the Tour de Mont Blanc, some of the more iconic trails uh, around the world. So people could go out, not on a 
serious race, but just submit their GPS data and say, hey, I did the Appalachian Trail in 52 days. Here's evidence. Here's photos. There's different rules and regulations of whether you're supported or unsupported on these attempts. And uh, it's grown tremendously in the past two years due to all the races being shut down due to COVID. And now anyone can go on and submit. Maybe you want to create a route from your house to the next town over and you submit your time and someone can maybe show up the next day and try and beat it. So for those familiar with maybe Strava segments, it's a similar concept, but uh, usually longer routes in, in a little more established uh, in, in their specific locations. So you've done three of these so far, three FKTs. So you go to fkt.com and you might find a route or you can plan your own route. Talk about one that you've done that was interesting or exciting. I, I remember you telling me the story about one. Uh, you, you, you published it. You were excited about it. Your family was excited. We were excited. Um, and then, uh, uh, what, days later, weeks later, Someone else broke it, right? Yes. Yeah. So I did talk about what goes into all that. Yeah. So again, I was searching for different kind of projects to focus on. This is this is pre uh, 52 marathon projects. This is the one I did before. I ran a trail called the Ultrapod Netherland Trail. So it's basically just the Ultra Trail of the Netherlands. It's a hundred mile trail. It goes through kind of the heart of the country here, connects three beautiful national parks. And uh, I, I wanted to do it unsupported, uh, b- basically by myself. Uh, it was just something I wanted to try and do. What would 100 miles be like on your own with nobody around you, nobody giving you food or water? So, and that was a real kind of curveball I threw myself in, in a fun challenge because I, I had to plant my food in, in water ahead of time. So I actually drove the course the day before. I had about 12 uh, shopping uh, trash bags that I stocked with food and, and gear. And uh, yeah, I buried the, buried these bags in the forest and, and I tagged uh, each tree actually with kind of a ribbon to identify where these bags were located. Uh, I just want to interrupt and say on Davis's website, I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, it's just daviscutter.com. Yep. You can see some of the pictures of sort of the 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 food packages that he uh, put in bags. Did you bury them in the dirt and put a, a ribbon around a tree, a sort of a thing around yes. a tree that, that glowed in the dark yes. or something? Talk yeah, about, so it glowed yeah. in the dark because I was running through the night. And um, yeah, the next day I went back after I finished and collected all the trash. So I didn't leave leave anything in the woods there. But um, yeah, it was it was... <laughs> It was a real adventure through the night there. Yeah. I mean, what's it like to run a hundred miles? Cause you're doing it straight. Do you stop and nap? I know you have food and drink, but how long does it take and what happens along the way? Yeah. So a typical hundred mile cutoff time is, is about 30 hours and, you know, kind of a prestigious time would be sub 24, kind of a similar uh, prestigious time to like a three hour marathon is a sub 24 hundred mile or typically depending on the course through the mountains. Um, but it, there's two things I'll call out. One is that running a hundred miles is not an event that takes place in a single day. It's an event that you plan for, for really years, you know, and really seriously trained for over six plus months. 
So when you show up on race day, your journey is, is already 95% complete, really. You've done a lot of the work. You've been preparing for it, just like anything in life, right? It's it's the journey, not the, not the destination. So that really rings true for, for the running here. The other thing I'll call out is, you know, there's, there's certainly a special feeling where you're running from sunrise to sunset or conversely sunset to sunrise. And there's not many things that you do aside from sleep continuously for that duration. And it, it's the, it kind of taps into your circadian rhythm a little bit where something happens with your body where you literally have not stopped. Uh, typically people don't sleep for a hundred mile race. They will for a 200, not for a hundred. Uh, so yeah, you're maybe taking quick snack breaks, but certainly if it's a race, you're trying to keep pushing. Um, and yeah, it's a unique feeling. It's, it's not something that people will naturally do, uh, without stopping. Do you start seeing things? Do you hallucinate? Do you think of music? What does anything, does your brain do strange things after, after 80, 90 miles? Yeah, it does. I I've run uh, 400 milers before I, I hallucinated in my last one. It, I hadn't experienced it before. So I think it really depends maybe on hydration and nutrition, things of that nature. I, I did start seeing some polar bears and, you know, weird animals next to me uh, as I was running through the night. I also think it had to do with just the, I was running at dusk and, you know, sometimes the light can play funny tricks uh, on your eyes. Yeah, the, uh, it's it's part mental game, part physical game, uh, and a lot of nutrition, right? So it's probably taking yeah. you a long time to get that all dialed in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, you mentioned that so after I set that record, yeah, someone, uh, a woman, Irene Finnehem, I actually give her a ton of credit. I think she's in her fifties. She's a Dutch uh, triathlete. She went and shattered my record. I think by four hours just completely unbelievable. So there, again, there are many people out there that, that are much faster than I am. Uh, and I, and I give her a ton of credit, but you know, whether she beat your record or not, I'm not sure that that really matters. It was sort of the build up to it. Like you said, just planning for it, doing it. Did you, did you really mind that someone later broke your record? Oh, I, I do this for fun. I do this just, you know, for the, I like the process of training. I like the process of, of setting goals and working towards it. So no, I, I was actually really excited for her and it's fun to see, you know, these different trails that, that you think about, you know, how fast can a human go on it? You know, that that's continuing to push the barrier. So uh, I was happy to see it fall. Davis, why do you think you run? I think that part of it is, is physical, but also mental, right? So it's, it's when you find something that you enjoy, it's also healthy for you. It's something that I'm a, I'm a pretty routine person. So it ties into that things that I like. Um, so yeah, I almost think of it as a little bit of a, of a cheat code because, you know, when you do it, it makes me eat healthier. It makes me think more clearly. Uh, and there's not a lot of things that, that line up all like that. So do you think that there'll be another challenge, self-imposed challenge coming up soon? Yes. And I, I would say to any listeners, if you have a fun challenge, uh, creative challenge, let me know. I'm, I'm up for it. I was thinking maybe circumnavigating the Dutch border the, the of the Netherlands, right? You can go around. There's some different creative things you can do on foot. 
Um, so I'm open to ideas right now, currently focused on, on training for different races this summer, San Diego being the main one, but certainly there'll be more fun and creative projects in the future. That sounds good. So if they go to daviscutter.com, can they, can they make a comment on your yes. blog? Yeah. Yes. All right. So maybe there'll be some ideas showing up. Davis, I want to thank you. This is super fun. Congratulations. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again for listening to Interesting People for 20. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please go to ipfor20.com to listen to more. Or you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Keep doing great things. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Interesting People for 20. 